Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Um, if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book. It's an Old Testament book called First Samuel. It sounds like an Old Testament book. First Samuel. It's about a quarter of a way through a paper Bible. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible is separated into basically kind of two halves. There's the Old Testament, which is before Jesus, and then the New Testament, which is after Jesus. So this is in the Old Testament. You're also welcome to use your smartphone, 1 Samuel 16. To get us started, I like to use an introductory thought. And this one's going to come from uh, a book that was popular about 10 years ago. Uh, The concept that we're going to talk about was first observed by a psychologist, K. Anders Erickson, and, uh, but was made famous by Malcolm Gladwell. It doesn't matter if you know this stuff or not know this stuff, because I'm going to put it on the screen in a minute, okay? So here's the idea. They came up with the 10,000-hour rule, 10,000-hour rule. Any of you heard of this? Ten, a few of you, 10,000-hour rule, and it was this, becoming world-class at something their study showed, requires 10,000 hours of dedicated practice. Pause and think about that. Another form of the same rule came uh, out, uh, a paraphrase of it was the 10-year rule. Because basically, if you take 10 years and you practice 20 hours a week, you'll get to the 10,000 hours, okay? The 10,000-hour rule. A couple thoughts. That may be why I'm not world-class at anything. (laughs) Another thought for some of you who are getting started, you know, you're trying to work toward greatness. Keep going. Keep going. You're only six hours in. Keep going. (laughs) Man, it's going to accumulate. You'll get there. But the big main thought that I think that we can, hopefully we can all agree on, is that greatness takes time. Greatness takes a process. If you see someone who is good at something, they didn't significantly good at it. They didn't just start. Does that, can we all agree? Great Road, can we agree on that? Someone who says, I've always been good at free throws. No, you haven't. At some point, you right, even if you have a tendency toward being good, someone who has a great marriage Figured some things out. There was process. Someone's good at relationships. Is that right? Recently, I was sitting watching some uh, young folks play their Nintendo Switch. They were just playing the, the simple game, um, Mario Kart, one of the Mario Kart games. Anybody ever? Here's an image of the. Anybody heard of video games? <laughs> yeah, they got them out there now. Yeah, anyway, so they're zipping around on these complex roads and everything, and I'm like, this is not the first time you've done this. Anybody ever just tried to jump on and then play with a skilled? It's embarrassing. I tried a couple times with my son a while back, and he was playing a game where you could, like, die, you know, because it's like shooting things, and I felt so bad, because, and he said, Dad, do you want to play? Well, sure. So I'm just death. I was just death everywhere. I'm like, or I would just stand, some of you don't do video games, but some of you young people, I would have been the worst partner ever, dude. Because like my son's like, let's move somewhere. And I'm like, I, I can't. I don't know how. Anyway, 
<laughs> the idea, though, is um, being great takes time, and there is a process. I want to give you a little side thing. I don't think it fits really well, but when I was thinking about this process and enduring a process to greatness, a couple things. Did you know that Colonel Sanders, he's the guy who started KFC way back when? Did you? I, I, it must be true it was on the Internet. He had to promote his recipe over a thousand times in the process of trying to sell it. How dumb were people back then? How, can we all agree KFC is amazing? Let's talk about it for a while, shall we? We'll just drool on each other. I guess some people may not think so, but okay, never mind. So uh, anybody, uh, the Rocky Anybody heard of the Rocky films, you know, the 27 different Rocky films? There's actually eight, and it started with, you know, just Rocky one or whatever. Sylvester Stallone had to submit the original Rocky script over 1,500 times before it got traction. There's a process. To greatness. The Bible would agree, a couple of verses, Philippians 3.10, Paul, the writer, has got really an admirable pursuit. He is talking about, I want to know Jesus. I want to know God. I want to know Christ. And then he says, not that I have already obtained all this, but I press on because there is a process. Um... In James chapter 1, it teaches, the Bible says to us, let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete. So hold those thoughts. We are kicking off this weekend our summer series, and it's called Facing Your Giants, The Spiritual Journey of a Great Warrior. And that warrior... His name is David. We're going to take the summer to explore the life of David. He's an Old Testament character. Many of you have heard of him already. Why? I want to answer the question. Why David right away? Like, what's so, what's so great about David? Just a couple things. In Acts chapter 13, God said of David, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. That's one of the reasons I want to study David. And then the other part, I had not noticed this before whenever I've read this verse. God says of David, he will do everything I want him to do. That's greatness. That's a big deal. Scholars agree that David was the greatest king Israel ever knew. David was the great, 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 I don't know how many great, great, great grandfather of Jesus. And here's something I also did not know, that, that David's name is mentioned more in the Bible than Jesus. That just sounds wrong, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem we should work, work that out? So Jesus, it is not. Uh, now that doesn't mean David is greater than Jesus, but it was interesting uh, that David's name was uh, mentioned, there was, the, the first was God. Second was Jacob, and oftentimes Jacob is like the God of Abraham. I, Jacob, I think it was. And then the third was David. He's a big deal. So we're going to get to know him uh, over the summer. By the way, the, 
uh, spiritual development team here at the church and promotion team, they put together a reading plan. So we will not hit on every single story of David in the summer, right? But you can get to know, get the most out of the series in the summer if you'll, there is a, on the chairs, there's a little card that's got a Bible reading plan for the summer on the life of David. If you don't want to do the card at the website, you can go to the vineyard.org Bible plan. Great Broders, you've got the same thing. So I hope that we will all consider, let's just read about this guy. Today we're going to get started with the first glimpse we have of David. Let me set the stage. Um, God is about to identify a new king. It's going to be David. So identify a new king. And so the tradition in the time was God will call a prophet to go and anoint, to take a, 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 a oil and pour it over the head of the man who's going to be the next king. So that's what's happening. But in this uh, instance, God calls Samuel, but he doesn't give Samuel all the details. He gives him the direction. He says, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I'll tell you what family. It's one of the boys of Jesse, all right? It's one of Jesse's boys. Now, some of you that are old just thought of an old song. I got on such a tangent. Did you right away think that? It's one of Jesse's boys. But anyway, this is Jesse's. And so now we will never get back to the Bible. Some young people are like, I never heard. What song is that? How many of you have heard? This? Oh, a bunch. Any of the young people even heard it? Yeah. Jesse's girl. Everybody. Okay, never mind. But, <laughs> ah, okay, Jesse, the sons of Jesse. There we go. We'll say it that way. So, I still can't remember what I'm talking about. Okay, so Samuel goes. He doesn't know which son it's going to be. And so, basically, we're going to see that uh, Samuel sets up this little meeting, and Jesse is going to parade his sons kind of in front of the prophet to see, and then God's going to speak to Samuel and say, it's that one, okay? <laughs> All right. Verse 5. If you're brand new to the church, you can turn to the right or left and say, is he always like this? And then you can give your honest opinion. I don't know. No, not always. Okay, so he, that's Samuel. It says he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. In other words, that's Bible for this kid's probably the one. Mm. But the Lord said to Samuel, the prophet, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord, some of us know this verse, the Lord does not look at things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. Then Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, 
But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Nope. There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And verse 12 says, so he sent for him and had him brought in. This is David. He was glowing with health, had a fine appearance and handsome features. And the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So again, the series is Facing Your Giants, The Spiritual Journey of a Great Warrior. We're going to talk about David. And today we're going to uh, get started by kind of asking the question from this text, what, what was it about David that made him great? Uh, and so before we get into that, I do want to pause and pray. But even before we do that, will you just pause and think of an area of your life or maybe even a couple areas that you would like to see God increase your greatness. Pause and think of something, just so that this, you know, hits us personally. Got an area? Could be financial, could be relational. I think, I you know, I'm still trying to, I want to be a great father. I want to be a great husband. I'd like to be a good leader. Everybody have something? Give me a little head nod if you can think of an area like, okay, yeah, I'm in. Grape Road. Okay. Oh, typically for series, we stand and pray, not just about the day, but about the whole summer. So everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Whew. Some of you are You're like, I don't want to stand up. Just stand up. Come on. Okay. Let's pray. God, we stand before you now. We pray for not just today. We pray for the whole summer. Will you make it a great summer, like a summer where you increase our greatness in different areas of our life, and especially spiritually? So we pray about today's talk, but mostly about the whole summer. And, and many of us will do the reading plan, and we'll do classes, all kinds of things. Make it a great summer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. A couple things I want to touch on from this text. The first one is this. David's spiritual greatness, this is kind of a shift, it wasn't connected to appearance or age. I want to talk about this a little. It wasn't connected to his appearance or his age. Let's talk about appearance for just a minute because I think we get this pretty quickly. Uh, God said to Samuel, right? No, no. He says, because Samuel sees, I think it was Eliab and thinks, this has got to be it. And God says to him, don't consider his appearance or his height. Now, with your permission, I just want to hit this really quickly because I think culturally we kind of know this. How many of you know greatness comes in all kinds of packages? You know, you, you, can, you, can, be, you can be tall or you can be not tall and you can be, you can be skinny. We hate you, but you can be skinny. You, can be, you know what I mean? If you want a good uh, uh, um, movie that kind of, I think, emphasized this message, there was a recent movie called The, the Greatest Showman. Did anybody see that Here's a picture of the film. Anybody see it? Or this is a bad illustration. Some of you saw it. Anyway, it's just a big elaborate story. But so many people, by appearance, were actually kind of in the shadows. But the, the, one of the messages of the movie is, man, they're phenomenal. They had gifts and their greatness. There's one. It's the overweight, bearded lady. And she 
uh, sings a song. Some of you some of you are like, why are you talking about this movie? But a few of us are really excited. Right? Because she does this. Can you talk, wave at me. Great. Wave at me if you're with me. Right? And she goes, da 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 because here I come. da 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 She does this. And the movie, like, it's, whoa, you're, okay. Some of you might want to watch the movie. All right. Never mind. But it wasn't about, that was, it was the bearded woman who brings the, this amazing song. Okay, sorry. Once again, is he always like this? Kind of, kind of like that. So, but I want to shift, and I do want to dive into the age thing. I want to dive into the age thing. So in verse 11, Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And David is like this forgotten kid, and he actually says, well, they're still the, they're still the youngest. And I think we can, uh, there's an, a, a kind of agreed upon assumption that because of David's age, he really wasn't even in the parade of sons. It's like, well, yeah, but you're looking for skills or a king or what, it, it, he's like this afterthought. And I want to dwell on this for a moment. Um, by the way, let's not be too hard on Jesse because... At this point, David may well have been only eight years old. Not, I don't, he wasn't as old as 14 or 15. He's probably young, so let's just say 10. He's a 10-year-old. So, uh, so I actually have a picture of like a 10-year-old kid. So he's like this age. So that gives me some grace because a lot of times when I first think of, a, let's just say a 10-year-old, we don't know exactly, a 10-year-old, a lot of times, I don't naturally think greatness. I think of, you know, not greatness. You know what I mean? You just tend to think of still yet immature, still got a lot of progress. Or, or I just, I think, I did student ministries for quite a while. Different times, we've had dozens and dozens of young people at our, in our home. And <laughs> what I actually think of, you know, a whole bunch of 10, 12-year-olds. I think of body odor. <laughs> We've had them in our house enough, and you think, baby, what's the smell in the house? That's a, the 10-year-old. Or I think of, never mind. All right, so. But I don't necessarily think of greatness. But, but write this down. This, I think, is important. God identified greatness in a, we're going to say, 10-year-old. And that's something. God identified greatness in a kid. And I want to bring a challenge to us, church, especially those two challenges, those of us that are uh, adults, and it'll come up on the screen. Watch for greatness in the youth around you. Watch for it. Call it out. By the way, side note, I'm not saying they're all great. We could go back and we could talk about the fact that God, you know, the, the parade of all the sons, God said, yeah, I rejected him. So pray for that one. But, but call out, watch for greatness in all ages. Right now we're talking about young people, but call it out. And I want to bring a challenge to those of you that are young. Let's say you're 10, you're 8, you're 13, 15. Here's the challenge to you guys. Don't wait for greatness until you get older. How about be great at 12? Hey, you. How old are you? 
It's a lot of pressure. 10. You're 10. <laughs> be great at 10. You guys, young, be great at 13. Decide you're going you're gonna to rise above what other 13-year-olds are doing. Do you know what I mean? Like have character. Uh, listen to God. Read the word. Decide. Do you can do so many. David was anointed king at like 10 years old. Who knows what God can do with those folks? By the way, another thing with this age thing, this is why I'm, another reason I'm excited to study David. David showed this amazing, these amazing signs of greatness his whole life, not just when he was a kid. Uh, now, to be clear, David makes, made some mistakes, but throughout his life, he had greatness. I'll, by the end of the series, you'll know all these stories, but let me just recap quickly. At, at like 10, 10 years old, he's anointed king because God sees greatness. At 15, he has this amazing battle with a man named Goliath, which takes on this, first, this is a big deal. We'll study that in a couple of weeks. At 18 years old, these are all ish, about 18 years old, um, he was leading battles for God at 18. In his 20s, he navigated spiritual persecution like an all-star, arguably better than anyone else in the Bible except for Jesus. He gets attacked by the reigning king. The reigning king is like throwing spears at him and accusations and all this. And man, David does a phenomenal job of being great in his 20s. In his 30s, he is the king, the greatest king Israel ever had, and he is the king over all God's people. One more, I thought as he moves toward midlife, this is past 30, 35, maybe 40, I don't know. Um, I mean, he's married, he's been doing the king thing for a while. He is an outstanding example of worship. In midlife, we're saying, in midlife, let's pretend he was 40 years old, and it says in 2 Samuel 6, it says that David danced before the Lord. This was an act of worship. He danced before the Lord with all, all his might. I would submit to you, you know what the tendency is for us as we get older? We tend to take our foot off the accelerator, and we tend to not do it, not do things with all of our... David is all, you know, I was thinking of dancing, right? As we get older and we, we dance, like, we, you may have, you know, you're amazing at 20, but like at, at 40, you'd like tone it down so you don't pull a muscle. Because that's what we do. But David, still somewhere in there, is giving it all. Wouldn't it be great if we risked pulling some spiritual muscles this summer because we were so, no matter what our age, we're like, I am in. Did you like that? How much time do we have? Oh, not that much. You can write this in. David was exceptional in every season. That's what we're going to see. The end of August, one of our last talks, Pastor Jimmy and I, hey, Pastor Jimmy, Jimmy and I are going to co-teach on David's 70 years old, and he gives one of the best speeches to a son you'll ever read. 
He's transitioning, passing the torch to the next generation. Man, he does it in a great way. So let's bring this into the room. Here's a challenging thought. Am I pursuing greatness right now? No matter what your age. Right now. Ten years old. Are you going to be great? Are you great right now? No, I'm talking to you. Ten, you're 15. You're 15-year-olds. Be great now. 25. 35-year-old, be great now. You're half dead. <laughs> you ought to get on it. Don't wait till you're 40, man. Get on it. Hey, just keeping it real, right? Okay, maybe not half. Almost half. 50, 60, 70, 70 years old. Do something. Give it your all now. In the service before this one, we had a we have a, I think she's the oldest uh, member of our church, and she was sitting over here. She's 98. Is she 98? 98. Her name's Haroldine Kepke. Have you ever seen her? Yeah. Yeah. She's not here, but we can applaud her. Right? She, she was, but she was right over here, Harold. So anyway, I got to move on. Let's see. David's spiritual greatness wasn't connected to appearance or age. Here's the other thing we want to touch on. It had everything to do with his heart. It had everything to do with his heart. Right? God said to Samuel, people look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Just for clarity, the word heart there, it's not just talking about that inside pumper thing. It's talking about the heart. It's talking about the mind. In fact, it probably is more emphasizing the mind, the will, or the inner man, or the inner woman. It's the inside and all that makes up our inside. Our, um, that was the key to David's greatness. Not that he didn't have some outside skills. I think he had some natural ability. The Bible says he was, you know, good health and those things. But that's not, was not the key to David's greatness. You can write this down. David's Outward success was connected to his inner life. His outward success was connected to his inner life. Have you ever considered how much attention we give to the outside stuff and lack giving attention to our inner life? So I went through an exercise yesterday, just in my mind I was thinking about how much time and attention do I and then we, how much attention do we pay to outward stuff? And I actually started at the top of my head. I put my hand on my head. If you want to do it with me, you can. Put your hand on top of your head. And I, I, and I just was like, just of my body, I thought, okay, put my hand on my top of my head. I thought about my hair. And I thought, how much time do we spend working on our hair? Now, some of you right now are like, I got no hair. But then, you, or, but you're shaving head, but you know, like, or to you know, so how, and some of this is about money and attention too. Is how often do you get you try to get this super lustrous stuff? You know that technical term for shampoo. I don't know. How much time do we spend working on this? So then I was working my way down, and I got to oh, this morning I thought about eyebrows, <laughs> right? You can't just let those grow. 
right? So then we do stuff, like, to, to, we work on those. There's like, I don't know a lot about that, but, and then I got to the eyes, and I thought, well, see, we try to, we spend a lot of time making sure if we have glasses, let's make them so that they try to make our face look good, right? Get the Gucci glasses. If you, I mean, if you can afford it, get something, right? In that, or contacts, or there's all the stuff we do here. I get, then I got down to my, to my mouth, and I thought of teeth, and I thought, how much? Some of us have put more money in our kids' braces than we have ever invested in their spiritual condition. That's something that was, you know, now we, we whiten and we brush. By the way, you should brush your teeth and you should, you know, floss. You should do all that. But I was just thinking of the time and attention. And now I'm going to go someplace that's a little weird, probably shouldn't do it in church, but I go, I was like, here in the teeth, teeth, and I was like, oh. And so I thought about this part. And then I began to consider culture. You probably shouldn't do this. I'm sorry, Jody. I'm talking about it. But I thought, we've actually shifted into a culture, and this is kind of uh, a little bit sad for me, where, where we have uh, ladies growing up and, like, wor- want, worrying and wondering about, you know, stuff. And all upset about appearance things. So I did a little quick uh, search you know how much Americans spend on plastic surgery? $16 billion a year. Now, and I'm assuming most of that is elective, right? It's not because we went, had a tragedy, in our, right? It's, and so I just was thinking, all, how much all that attention, you know, all the stuff. And then I, here was the, the shift was this. I thought, oh God, what would it be like if we took just half of the time and attention we put into appearance, just half of it, and let God transform our heart? Or us work on the inside? That would be amazing. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. And then it says this amazing truth. It says everything you do flows from it. A lot of the problems and challenges that we have, you want to know one of the great ways to make progress? Don't be trying to work on it on the outside. So we've got, let's say, a financial problem. Include your heart in that. Relational stuff. Emotional thing. Everything we do, God says, it flows out from within. Work on our hearts. That will transform us. In the chapter that we read, we didn't quite get to this verse in 1 Samuel 16, 13. This is, Samuel ends up anointing David, and in that moment, it says, uh, from that day on, it says, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. God said, I'm, I'm taking this greatness, and I'm going to empower it. 
And it had almost nothing to do with anything on the outside. It was his heart. Last fill in the blank. The skill God is responding to, this is not a great fill in the blank, but here we we go. The skill God is responding to, this is in David's case, has little to do with David's outward stuff. Yes, I think he did have some skills, probably some physical skills. Um, But that's not what the key to his greatness was. It was his heart. So to recap, it wasn't connected to his age or his appearance. It had everything to do with his heart. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.